The following is a sermon that was preached at Faith Lutheran Church in Sharpsburg, Georgia. For more information about our church or to hear past sermons from Faith Lutheran, visit georgiafaith.com. Thank you for listening. So I had a struggle this week with writing this sermon, actually. I had a struggle because as I was preparing this sermon, I really didn't know what Jesus was thinking. Let me tell you a little bit of background of what that struggle was. So when Vicar or I get ready to write a sermon, one of the first things we do is we want to study the text in the language, the original language in which it was written. So for the New Testament, that's Greek. So we start out by studying the text in Greek, the verb forms, the, the, any textual variants or manuscript evidence that's applicable. That last part is kind of technical, but it's really important if you've ever heard some unbeliever on TV say something like this. You know, the New Testament has been copied and translated so many times over so many years that there's no way for us to actually know what the original text is. Have you ever heard anybody say that? Absolutely false. A whole bunch of hogwash, not true in the least. Textual manuscript evidence is really clear. We have 6,000 early copies of the New Testament. That's, in fact, why we do, in fact, have textual variants. So what a textual variant would be is like, one copy of the Gospel of Mark might have this word, and another copy would have a different word in its place because the scribe who was copying it made a mistake. But if you've got 6,000 copies, it's really easy to tell which one is the original and which one is not, right? So every once in a while, these, these unbelievers will say things that are meant to shock Christians, to make you uh, doubt the, reality, the reliability of the text. Like one man said, there's more textual variance in the New Testament than there are words in the New Testament. Well, that sounds really awful, honestly, doesn't it? But here's the thing. Here's the part that he's not telling you. 99.75% of those textual variants are absolutely nothing other than the scribe spelled the word the wrong, or instead of saying in Christ Jesus, he wrote in Jesus Christ. They have absolutely no bearing, 99.75%. And that last quarter percent, one-fourth of a percent, that actually we're not entirely sure which of these two manuscript families was the original, None of them have anything to do with the doctrines of or the teaching of the Christian church, like the Trinity or baptism or Lord's Supper or something like that. But there might be a time when we don't know exactly which word was meant to be there. And there was a tiny fraction of a chance, and we got one today. And that was why I struggled this week. Because it, this word, this variant, that we're not exactly sure which one to take, comes up in the middle of this account where this leper comes to Jesus, asks to be healed, and then Jesus heals him and sends him off right away with a stern warning. Now, if you've grown up hearing this uh, parable, excuse me, this account being read, this would be the familiar thing that you're used to hearing. Guy comes, begs, uh, you know, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus then says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. That might be how you remember it. But if you look in your service folders, the translation we have in there is very different. Verse 41 said, Jesus was indignant. All right, now there's a big difference between being filled with compassion or being indignant. So I was stuck going, well, what, what, what was Jesus thinking in that moment before he healed that man? What was he thinking? Was he filled with compassion or was he indignant? Well, 
Was he indignant because of the way the man asked, and therefore he sent him away at once and with a stern warning? Or was he filled with compassion at this man's predicament? But if that's the case, well, then why would he send him away at once and with a stern warning? I wondered, what is Jesus thinking? This is not a new thing for us. Sometimes uh, we might wonder what Jesus is thinking about the way in which we're going to take his words and apply them in our life. And the trouble we can get ourselves into is when we're wondering what Jesus is thinking, if we stop listening to God and start speaking for God, when we start putting words into Jesus' mouth that maybe never would have been there. But you don't, do you do that? Do you fill in the blanks for Jesus sometimes? I think we all do. Do we ever make the assumption about what Jesus would think? Well, I know that Jesus wants us to forgive the people around us, but, you know, I'm pretty sure Jesus is okay with the fact that this one, I'm holding on to this grudge. I'm holding on to this grudge for good and for all. Unless they ever can make it, you know what, I'm not even going to give them a chance to make it right with me. Is that what Jesus was thinking? Or we know that Jesus calls on me to live a pure and decent life. But, you know, I think Jesus would understand why I have this inappropriate relationship I think Jesus might get why I abuse this substance. Is that what Jesus is thinking? Or I know what Jesus says about husbands and wives, that we're supposed to love each other, serve each other, put each other's needs before our own selflessly, but Jesus certainly understands that that doesn't really count when I'm tired or when I'm grumpy or when I'm busy. Is that what Jesus is thinking? When we start to fill in the blanks for Jesus and uh, make assumptions about what Jesus is, is thinking, what we're doing is we've stopped listening for Jesus and instead we start speaking for him. And that's exactly what this man in our reading for today was doing. Um, on the surface, when you look at him, it seems like he's hitting all the right notes in Christian life, right? He comes to Jesus, he asks him to, to heal him, and then after Jesus heals him, he goes away and he tells everybody all about Jesus, this man who healed him. Except what Jesus wants from us is not lip service. He wants life service. All this man was offering was lip service to Jesus. Jesus doesn't want us to come to him and say the words we think Jesus wants, us to, wants to hear from us. Jesus wants us to listen to him and to live our life for him, not speak for him. That was the problem with this young man. He thought he knew better than Jesus. That's what was going on here. He thought he knew better than Jesus. Now, first of all, look at the way he comes to him. He comes, says he begs him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What's the implication there? Well, Jesus, maybe you're not willing. Maybe, Jesus, in fact, you want me to die from this leprosy, right? And then... If you're willing, you can make me clean. This guy is acting like Jesus is some kind of miracle ATM machine where you just punch the right buttons and I get what I want. Like I can persuade Jesus into giving me what I'm asking for from him. And you might be wondering a little bit if I'm being uncharitable to this guy. But if you take a look at the text, did you see what Jesus did right after he healed him? Right? He sends him off immediately and sends him off with a stern warning. What was Jesus thinking? Well, I know what Jesus was thinking right here. 
He was thinking that that man needed a stern warning. And you can tell that Jesus was right. Because right after he's healed, what does the man go do? Exactly the opposite of what Jesus told him to do. Jesus said, don't tell anyone about this. Just go to the priests. Do your sacrifices. Instead, this man, he knew way better than Jesus. Right? He didn't go and just let the story slip a little bit to his close friends. You know, the Bible says he's, he's, uh, he's out there, began to speak, speak freely, spreading the word, doing exactly the opposite of what Jesus told him to do. Do you think he assumed that Jesus wouldn't mind? Any press is good press and all that sort of thing. But that's the problem with this man. He didn't listen to Jesus. He tried to speak for him. That can be, that can be our problem too, right? I mean, when, uh, when we're willing to receive forgiveness from Jesus, but we think he won't mind if we don't share it with the people around us who need it. Now, we'll receive it from him, but we won't withhold it from others. When we are washed clean of all of our sins by Jesus, but we think he won't mind if we continue to dabble in the filth and the shamefulness. When we take all the good from God that we could have from our spouse, but think it's fine to give precious little back in return. When that happens, what, what do you think Jesus is thinking? When we do those things, we're like this man who think they knows better than Jesus and was willing to speak for him. Now, I for sure don't know what Jesus was thinking. What word belongs there in this text today, whether he was filled with compassion or filled with indignation. But I do know an important lesson that we get to learn from this text. When you don't know exactly what Jesus is thinking, then go back to what Jesus did and go back to what Jesus says. What Jesus did is he reached out and he touched the man. I wonder how long it had been since he had felt human touch. Remember, leprosy was this contagious skin disease where you're basically dying from the outside in. You've had to leave all of your family, your community behind, live by yourself, and just wait for the inevitable to happen. No one would touch a leper. I wonder how long it had been since he felt the touch of another human. And what a human it was. God made man had come to Israel to prove to that leper and to prove to the world that there is no sin, no disease, no sickness, or no brokenness that can stand in the face of the Messiah's kingdom. And Jesus promised, Jesus promises that he has come to right what is wrong in your life and that one day he will fix everything that's broken. And he showed us by healing this man. A man went from a sentence of a disfiguring death to being made whole and healthy. Jesus gave him back his life and he gave him back his community, his family. He gave him back everything. You know, uh, when Jesus was there, what was he thinking? Whether he was filled with compassion or filled with indignation at the man's attitude, what really mattered finally is what he did in what he said. He touched the man and said, I am willing, be clean. That's a beautiful thought for people like you and me who often don't listen to Jesus but rather speak for him. 
for people like us who act like this man, take the freedom that Jesus provides us and turn it into a license to do what we want. But here's the amazing thought about this. Jesus said, touch the man, says, I am willing, be clean. Was he willing and did he heal him because that man had asked in just the right way? Nope. In fact, just the opposite. Did Jesus heal him because he knew this man was going to live a life of full obedience to the Son of God? Nope. Just the opposite. Turns out Jesus didn't come to forgive sinners who deserve it. He came to forgive undeserving sinners like me. The purpose he was there for was to cure, to cleanse, and to forgive. You know, if you look at this text, it's really also amazing how Jesus took this man's place. Right? So this man was living in loneliness and isolation. Jesus heals him, restores him, gives him back to his family and to his community, no longer living a life of loneliness. But because of what this man did, listen to what the Bible says. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Right, a complete reversal. Looks like a bad deal for Jesus, um, but taking the place of sinners, that's exactly why Jesus had come. It's exactly why Jesus had come. He came to take away our sin by becoming our sin so that we might become the righteousness of God and restored to his family. What was Jesus thinking? Well, you know, I know this. If we look at what Jesus says and look at what Jesus does, we'll have absolutely no question in our life about what Jesus wants from us. Let's not give him lip service this week. Let's give him life service. What would our week look like? How different would it be if we stopped speaking for Jesus and just listened to him and then lived that out in our life? Let's use the freedom that Jesus purchased for us to restore the broken parts of our life. Enough with the excuses. Enough with the rationalizations. It's time to love without reservation, to serve without thought of gain, and to hope without fear. God grant it in our lives. Amen.